You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. I've been promoted to handsome. Thank you all very much. Last Sunday, I started a message here that may go beyond even today. I just got started really good last week. I had a number of people come to me and say, that was amazing. And uh, I, I don't know how amazing it was, but it, 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 touched, it struck a nerve in some, some po- folks' hearts, some people's hearts and minds. And uh, the message is called A New Day. A New Day. It is my job to explain to you what the new covenant is. Because it seems like we come from places where they preach, 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 preach. They even preach Jesus, but they don't preach the new covenant. They don't, know, they don't teach us really what he actually did. And, uh, and my job to, today is to define that for you. It's my job all the time to preach the new covenant. Because the new covenant is based on a message called the gospel. <laughs> I know this seems elementary, but it's amazing. It's amazing. I ask people all the time, what is the gospel? And they start off, well, man was sinful. Oh, hold it, hold it, hold it. I didn't ask you about man being sinful. I ask you, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is a repent. Okay. <laughs> what part of that is good news that I need to repent? The gospel means good news. See, you weren't called to preach about sin. You were never called to preach about sin. As a believer, you're not called to talk about sin all the time. I'm not saying it shouldn't be mentioned. I'm saying that's not your calling. And we, we wind up spending so much time talking about sin and sinful things that we wind up never getting to the gospel. And we, we define our sins by the ones we, that are most detestable to us. Yeah. I'm going to try this out over here. <laughs> we define our sins by, by the ones that are most detestable to us. The guy that drinks too much is a sinner. <laughs> but I can, I can gossip about him all day long and not have any compunction at all. The guy who smokes is a sinner. But I can eat three cheeseburgers and not have a bit of conviction about it. See, it's just all hypocrisy when you go to measuring sins. They're all the same. And that is not really what you're called to do. You're not called to become a specialist on who's sinning the worst. Because <laughs> you'll always put your level of sinfulness way low. Let me tell you the greatest sin in the body of Christ. The greatest error that the church has is the error of division and sectarianism and denominationalism. That is the worst thing the church does. It's amazing to me that guys with that card in their pocket will stand up and talk about sin. I don't know how you call hypocrisy, but I call that hypocrisy. Got that card in his pocket and he's always talking about sin. (laughs) Really. That probably is why he can't get sin off of his mind because he knows what he's doing. Am I helping anybody today? We really need to get over on the grace of God and shut your mouth about everything else. All right. So having said that, let's look at verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 9. 
verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 9. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. Interesting to note that they don't say anything about the temple in here. They're talking about the tabernacle, meaning the tabernacle of Moses, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make, could not make him that did the service perfect. Could not make the one who was doing the service perfect. Could not make Aaron and his sons perfect. The high priest or any of the priests could not be made perfect by the sacrifices they were making could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Couldn't get rid of what was really inside. That indicates something powerful. Without saying it directly, it indicates something powerful. That in the new covenant, the blood of Jesus has made you perfect on the inside. Amen. It didn't, he didn't try to save you. He did save you. He didn't try to redeem the world. He did redeem the world. He wasn't hoping it'd work. It did work. The new covenant makes you perfect on the inside, and it makes you on the inside perfect first. 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 This is why Jesus had to breathe on his disciples. That's why he had to do what he did with James, Peter, James, and John. You read it in John chapter 20. Why don't we just put it up there? Can we put up John chapter 20, starting with verse, uh, oh, help me, Lord. 19. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus. How many of you know when you see the words, Jesus came, stuff's about to change. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. I want to talk to you about what Jesus did more than what the devil did to men. Yes. Then came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, You lousy, filthy, unbelieving. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what he said. That's how they were acting, full of fear. That's how they were acting. Did he, did he call them unbelieving? Filthy, fearful, and all that? No, he said, peace be to you. Wow. It's amazing how Paul's, all Paul's letters, you read Paul's letters, they all open with the words grace and peace. Peace, he says it almost every time, peace from God our Father. How does Paul know that God Almighty is at peace with men? How does he open the letter to the Corinthians, the most carnal people on the planet? Chapter 1, he calls them saints. Chapter 3, he calls them carnal babies. Yep. <laughs> you bunch of carnal babies. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, uh, which is it, Paul? Yeah, it's both. <laughs> look at the person next to you. Look at, just look at them for a minute. Look at them. Look at, look at somebody. You're looking at a saint and very likely a carnal baby. <laughs> at the same time. I mean, come on. You know you act like a baby sometimes. Well, I guess they just don't want me at that church. Pastor didn't even shake my hand. Come on, carnal baby. Yeah. Come on, 
<laughs> that is good. But the Apostle Paul, he just said, Peace to you from God our Father. <laughs> what does this mean? This means that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself and has committed unto us this message of reconciliation. God got over it. God is no longer angry. God loves you completely and thoroughly to the marrow of your bones because Jesus paid the price. He really did die for your sins. Glory to God. He really did die for your sins. That doesn't mean maybe. Jesus died for your sins. Maybe. No. No. No, listen to this. You got a little girl standing on the sidewalk with a frilly dress and patent leather shoes. Perfect in every way. She's standing there ready for Easter Sunday morning. Got her little bonnet on. You know what she looks like. You see her, don't you? The lace around the bottom of her. Huh? And the little, the little, the little, the little, the little uh, what do you call those things you wear? Little, le little leggings. They go, they go down about half her calf. Looks like she's got her socks on upside down. <laughs> you know which one I mean. She's just, just a little doll baby just standing there. And you're on the other side of the street. And you see her, you look up and there's a truck coming at a high rate of speed. And you see her step out in front of that truck. What are you going to do? Anybody here without even knowing her, you're going to run across that street. You're going to run across that street. And you're going to grab her, and you're going to stand there on the side of the street with her, and you're going to hold her until the truck goes by. And everybody's going to say, you saved the little girl. Hang on. But if you run across that street and grab her, and just before the truck gets there, she squirms away from your hand and runs out in front of the truck, nobody's going to say you saved her. They're just going to say, well, you tried. Too bad you failed. This is, the, this is the, the story of redemption that most of the church world has about Jesus. He did all he could do. He tried, but he just couldn't save you. Because you had your own will. Well, you do have your will. You have to receive it. You have to believe it. I'm not saying everybody's automatically going to heaven. I'm just saying all that Jesus did was plenty enough. Amen. It was plenty. He didn't try to save, man. As far as God the Father's concerned, it's over. The war is over, and Almighty God is at peace with mankind. Amen. Stop telling people about how sinful they are and how God is angry at them. Mm. It won't make them live right. That's right. Are you trying to get them to live right? It won't make them live right. It won't make them live right. It won't make, the, it won't make them live right. It'll make them seem to live right. It'll just make hypocrites out of them. Now, I don't know where you come from, but I come from a, a brand of Christianity that's well known for our music and our tongue talking and our running the pews and jumping the pews and swinging from the chandeliers. <laughs> that, was a, that, was a lie, that was a vicious lie they told about us swinging from the chandeliers because we were so broke and proud of it that all we had was a light bulb. There wasn't no chandelier. <laughs> Just a raw light bulb hanging by a wire. <laughs> Before we learned anything about the prosperity, we, we were broke. 
that we were holy, praise God. And those of us that weren't holy, you couldn't tell the difference because they acted, they, they acted so holy. <laughs> really couldn't tell the difference. Gospy old biddies. <laughs> Jesus appears to them. Let's read the next verse. We're in John 20. Verse 20. We got 2020 vision. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Everybody say they saw the Lord. Saw the Lord. Uh, did this joy come from their faith or from seeing the Lord? Hmm. So this is not a faith joy. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So no faith involved here. Look at the next verse. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, this is not only a preparation, although it is a preparation. It wasn't only a mere preparation in a, in a futuristic sense for them to receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he did something. He breathed on them. Breath is the same word for spirit. Pneuma is the word here. He breathed the spirit into them. He breathed his spirit into them. But they later received the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in Acts chapter 2. Two separate events. Just like every believer has two separate events. The moment you believe you've been made new, the God's Spirit comes into your life and resurrects your old man and makes you a brand new Christian. Makes you a brand new person. A brand new being on the inside. He perfects you completely then. But then He prepares you and equips you later. It, may, it could happen the same day. It could happen the same moment it did with Cornelius. Happened almost right, right behind him believing he received the baptism in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. He was empowered. Amen. Yeah. If you're here today and you didn't realize we spoke in tongues here, I, I, you should have asked somebody. Because <laughs> we do. Unashamedly. Amen. And we're not going to go crazy with it. I'm just going to walk down the street speaking in tongues and acting stupid. But we do it here. Because they did it in the Bible. Believers. But these guys, you receive Jesus into your life by believing on Him first. Now hear me. That's how Cornelius got it. Remember? And you're all Gentiles. You're all bacon eaters. Not one Gentile saved on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Not one unbelieving Gentile was saved that day. And they were all in the crowd. Romans, Roman police were everywhere. And these are good candidates for salvation, apparently. They were good candidates because that's who Jesus picked the first one to get saved. Oh, this is good. Acts chapter 15, remember the Apostle Peter told us what happened to Cornelius because it was so dramatically different from what had happened to all of them. He just believed. They just believed the Word. And their hearts were purified by faith. Hearts purified by faith, he said. Glory to God. Could that happen to these apostles? No. They could not have their hearts purified by faith because they're looking at it. They don't take any faith to see somebody standing in front of you. Stand up here, Miss Ann. Stand up here, Miss Ann. Look here. I don't have to say, I believe with all my faith 
that my wife is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky. I'm telling you, I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to say I believe this. That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. I'm looking at it with my own two eyes. I know it. First time I saw her, she was 11 years old, walking up that center sidewalk of the schoolyard of my whole life in Thackerville, Oklahoma. <laughs> I thought she was the prettiest little thing I had ever laid eyes on. I, I had one filly that came close, but uh, besides that filly, this one right here was. Can I sit down? You can sit down now. <laughs> But I don't have to believe it. I can see it. They, didn't, they, they could not believe on Jesus the way that you did. Remember what he says next? Let's, let's just read on. He gave them the Holy Ghost in regeneration so they could be born again right at that moment. Now, I can't prove all this from Scripture, but let me show you, let me show you what else happened. Whoever sins, he goes to talking about sin right now. Yeah. Remitted sins. Whoever sins, you remit. They are remitted unto them, and whoever sins you retain, they are retained. Verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Apparently, Thomas got his, his breathing another time, but let's, let's, let's just read on. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Except I shall see his hands and the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Is it possible for these guys to be this far into this thing with Jesus and still not know what faith is? Yes. Yes. Jesus had not taught them about what the rebirth was about in regeneration through simple faith, or Thomas wouldn't be talking this stupid. The other disciples therefore said to them, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the prince of nails, I will not believe. Read on. Verse 26. Six. And after eight days again the disciples were within, and Thomas said unto them, uh, Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus. Everybody say, Then came Jesus. Yeah. How many of you know something's about to change right now? All right. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. There he is again. Now he knows Thomas is there. He knows what Thomas has said. He knows what a dumbo this guy is acting like. Walks in and says, peace to you. Really, Jesus? Why don't you say, hell with you? Because the preachers would. The preachers would. The preachers would. Tongue-talking preachers would. Peace be unto you. Next. Verse 27. Then said, Thomas unto him, then said he to Thomas, rather, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless but believing. Amen. The next thing he says, you've got to get a hold of this one. I love this. <laughs> I want a guy who's part of the Jehovah's Witnesses to Jesus with this verse. Yeah. If the Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, you take him to John 20, 20, 28, and 29. 27. Is that 29 or 28? 28. Then Thomas answered and said, don't, don't go to 29 just yet. Then Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord 
and my God. I'm sorry. If your Jesus is not God, He can't save you. The Jesus I know is God. And Thomas said so. I asked, I asked the, dear, the dear friend, his name was J.W., and I, I, I had a wonderful opportunity to lead him to Jesus. He sat at my table and he said, I, I read it from the New World Translation of the Holy Scripture, Scriptures, which was written by Charles Taz Russell, who did not know Greek. But he wrote it to, to, to suit himself and his, and his cult. And I held my hand over verse 29 and said, Now, now tell me, J.W., what is the only thing Jesus can say right now? He said, because he'd already told me he did not believe that Jesus ever received worship as God. I said, what does Jesus say right here? He said, Jesus said, Thomas, do not worship me, worship God. I said, let's look and see what he did say. And we read, read verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Wow. Believed what? That he's both Lord and God. Hallelujah. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now here, here's why I'm saying this. The blessing is not on seeing and believing. <coughs> Jesus told Thomas, you, you have one kind of faith, but those who have never seen me and yet believe, there's where the blessing is. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. There's, there's where the blessing is. When you hear about him being, hear about him being beaten, you see the passion of Christ and you read about how he was scourged, how he was beaten unmercifully, how, how they ripped shreds of flesh from his body. Glory to God. And you read that and then you read the promise of the scriptures where it says, by his stripes we are healed. If you'll just believe it then, the healing will follow. Yeah. You don't have to see it to believe it because seeing is not believing. Seeing is just knowing the truth. Are you hearing me? That's not the kind of faith that saves. The kind of faith that saves is that you see it with, you believe it without seeing it. Glory to God. You see it in your heart. You see it in your mind. You see it in a vision, but you don't see it in the natural before you believe it. That's right, believe. Blessing is on those who believe it without seeing. So if you're struggling with something today, I want you to understand something. You hear this message, faith's coming alive in your heart, and you can have what you'll believe God for. Because your life, help me out. All of you know what I'm about to say. I want you to help me. Your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe, and what you believe is dictated by what you constantly hear and confess. Your life will go in the direction of what you truly believe. And what you believe is dictated by what you hear constantly or what you confess constantly. So Jesus breathed on his disciples to give them the born-again experience. It's pretty clear. And promises that the blessing of those who will believe it without seeing it is the real way to salvation. Verse 10. We're back in Hebrews 9, I'm sorry. Hebrews 9. It says, These things which stood only in meats and in drinks and in divers washings and carnal ordinances. Whoa, 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 whoa. Carnal ordinances from the law of God? Let's not forget where this comes from. It comes from the law that God wrote for Moses to write down. Moses did not write that law. That, Moses did not dream up that law. The law of Moses has another name. It is the law of God. You need to get this in your mind. The law of God, and here in this new covenant, things have changed. Then came Jesus, things have changed. Then came Jesus, things have changed. Amen. Oh my God, 
changes not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you believe that you have to be circumcised to be saved. Well, no, that, that's of the heart. Well, that changed, didn't it? Speak to me. A lot has changed. This is a new day. This is a new day. A lot has changed. Well, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, yeah, in some ways he is, but the Bible doesn't really say that. It says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Now, doesn't it? That means if Jesus ever healed, he'll always heal. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said, if Jesus ever healed, he'll always heal. If he ever forgave sins, he'll always forgive sins. If he ever worked miracles, he'll always work miracles. Amen. Carnal ordinances by God imposed on them until the time of reformation. Don't think this was an evil thing, but it was just carnal. Not sinful, just carnal, just natural. Reformation, though, means setting things straight. We were not set straight because God gave us a law. We were set straight because God gave us His Son. Yeah. Wow. Good. Verse 11. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. How many of you heard preaching about the end times? Let me see your hands. Anybody heard any, any apocalyptic material? Let me, let me, now, how many of you got more fear out of it than comfort? Let me see your hands. Same people raise their hands. That's amazing. That's because they emphasize on the bad things to come. They emphasize the bad things to come. They emphasize the bad things to come. And Christ is not a high priest of bad things coming. Christ is a high priest of good things coming. I don't know about you, but I'm not afraid of what's coming. Because I know for me it's going to be good. Amen. For me, it's going to be good. i got good things coming. Amen. Because I, I have a high priest. Yeah. I'm not in this by myself. I've got somebody in heaven on my side. Yeah. Every time the devil goes up there to accuse me, they say, you're not talking about the same John Holler. Because we've already made a decision about him. He's innocent yeah. all the time. Amen. <laughs> good things to come. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Good things to come, not of impending doom. You know why when you ask most people, are you going to heaven? What their answer is? Who knows what their answer is? I hope so. You, you can ask born again believers, are you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. I'm working on that. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Oh, well, you are going to hell. I'm sorry, you're going straight to hell. If you're, if you're, if you're working on it, you're trying, you're riding some horse that, that you hope to get you, that you, you're on the highway to heaven. I'm not on that highway, I'm sorry. I'm on the highway that came to me, glory to God. Christianity is not, not different from other religions, it's opposite. It's opposite of the religions. All religions are trying to get to God. And by the way, I need to say this one more time. They will all get there. Everybody gets to go to heaven. Everybody gets to go to heaven. 
and stand before the great white throne judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes! <laughs> you don't want to go to heaven in that condition because from there you go to hell. Except those who came the road built by Jesus to us. If you're making your own way to heaven, you're building your road to heaven, just, you know, you're making your way up there. Uh, I'm, I'm ascending to the glory. You're just, you, you know, that's a doctrine of Mormonism. And you take all the grace out of it, all the faith out of it. It's all about how you perform, you pagan. I'm going because grace came to me. Grace came. He came and made a way. He came and became the way. Come on, you can put your faith in Jesus today. You can put all your faith in Jesus. You can put all your hopes and dreams in Him. You can wrap up your life in Christ Jesus and God will see you as though you are Jesus. And God will look at you with your feet on planet earth. He will look at you as though you're already seated with Christ in heavenly places. The moment you believe on Him. That puts you seated with Christ in heavenly places. He's not going to kick you out when you're in Christ. Glory be to God. Neither by the blood of bulls and goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in. How many times? Come on, how many times did he enter in? I guess God got over it. He didn't have to, he didn't have to go back and do it during the Inquisition. He didn't have to go back and redo it during, these, during, during the Crusades. He didn't have to go back and redo it when Hitler came on the scene. He didn't have to go back and redo it with all these atrocities because his blood was good forever. Forever. Once into the holy place, having obtained part-time redemption for us having obtained temporary redemption for us. Huh? Not eternal redemption, period. Eternal redemption for us. Why don't we slow down and read the Bible, what it's actually saying? Why don't we read it like it says it? My redemption is not an if or and. My redemption is an eternal redemption, and it's mine. I'm eternally redeemed. Am I making something up or is it what it says? Clearly, it's been there all along. But the preacher that wants to control you with his rules hates this and will we'll never talk about it. The reason the Jewish community has to do it over and over and over and over and over is because they had a year old lamb. And in a year, the blood was no good. They were killing a yearling and the blood lasted a year. That's why I keep emphasizing that Jesus is God. Because when, his, when He died, His blood was eternal. And it lasted forever. Glory to God. He was not a one-year-old. He was not a yearling. This was God Almighty paying, paying the price. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ... Come on, somebody say, how much more? 
How much more? He's trying to make a statement here. It's innumerably better. It's innumerably stronger than the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience? How much more shall the blood of Jesus work to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? Well, he's, he's making that statement because there's no way to measure it. He does not purge our conscience if we serve God. He purged our conscience so we could serve God. Let the dog wag its own tail, would you? Instead of wagging the dog. Verse 15. And for this cause he is the mediator of a New Testament. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressors, that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Part-time inheritance? Temporary inheritance? No, eternal inheritance. Well, when do you get it? Well, let me ask you when you get yours. The cults don't believe we're born again right now. The cults all believe if, you, if you're resurrected, you, you know you're born again. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we've been born again of an incorruptible seed already right now. How many of you think you have eternal life now? How many of you believe you have eternal life right now? Does that mean that you are eternally alive? Uh-oh. Be careful how you answer. Does that mean you're eternally alive? That means you're forever right now eternally alive. And I don't see any stop button on eternity. I backed one Pentecostal friend of mine into a corner with this. And I said, you believe you're eternally alive? Yeah. How does that ever end? <laughs> uh, uh, well, here was the answer. This is how stupid it could be. I'm not, I'm not calling that person stupid. Just He was mouthing what he had heard. Said, well, you're going to be alive someplace. It might be heaven, it might be hell. So you believe that eternal life can be, be translated into eternal life in hell. You really believe that? Well... You've got to make up your mind. And the reason you're having a hard time making up your mind, my friend, is because you know you're wrong. You know you believe both things. What you really want to say is, I believe I'm eternally saved, but I'm not sure about that guy out there. Yeah. You don't want to give this grace to everybody. You just want it for yourself. Yeah. Again, I don't know how you spell hypocrisy, but I spell it like that. Yeah. Everybody hold on to your seats now. I said, so John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life, either in heaven or in hell. The person grabbed her head. No, I didn't mean that. I said, but that's what you said. Yeah. Well, I'll take it back. I thought you might. <laughs> so eternal life means heaven, doesn't it? It means eternity with God, doesn't it? Yes. Hell is never defined as anybody being alive. Hell is the very definition of what death is. Separation from God. Are you all getting this today? For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is, of no, is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is no strength at all while the testator liveth. Listen. 
If you show up in your Uncle Louie's will and he has in there that you get all of his millions, but you don't get it until after you die, he's just a jerk. <laughs> Uncle Louie's just a jerk. I don't even want him that will. But this is, this, is how, this is how religion has made the Bible sound. You get nothing till you die. Pardon me, my covenant didn't go in force when I died. My covenant went into force when the one that wrote it died. My covenant went in force when the one that wrote it died. Verse 18, Whereupon neither the first testament was, was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle... I wish we had seatbelts on these chairs because I'm concerned about what's going to happen when I read when I say what I'm going to say next. <laughs> Moreover, he sprinkled the blood with the tabernacle with all the vessels of the ministry and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. Why blood? Why blood? Why does this have to be blood everywhere? Why do we have to talk about blood all the time? Let me tell you what, the, what religion has done. Religion has replaced the preaching of the cross. Not that it shouldn't be preached, but they've replaced the preaching of the cross for the preaching of the blood. The point of the cross was so Jesus would shed His blood. It was not a cross. Many men had been crucified. It was not a particular cross that took our sins away. It was the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus that took our sins away. And it's only the blood that will, that will take away sins. He could have been killed with a sword, and his blood would have taken it. He could have died in the manger. He was the Son of God right there just as much as he was hanging on the cross. His blood, the, the divine blood, could have taken away the sins of the world the day he was born. The blood. Why? Why blood? Why is it all? I'll tell you why it has to be blood. Before I tell you that, you have to understand what it was, what it was that man lost. We think we lost the ability to hear from God. We didn't. You didn't lose the ability to hear from God. Adam heard God's voice on the day he sinned, did he not? Did he hear God's voice or not? He didn't want to, but he did. Adam, where are you? Oh, no. Oh, no, here I am in a grass skirt. Oh, no. Can you imagine the, the progenitor of mankind? in a hula skirt. I mean, that's just a... Your great-great-grandfather wore a hula skirt. It's kind of shocking when you think about it. He heard God's voice on that day. Cain heard God's voice on the day he killed his brother. Hearing God's voice wasn't the problem. You've got to slow down the conversation, though, and see what they really lost wasn't the ability to hear God, but the ability to talk back to God. They didn't know how to talk to God anymore. This is evidenced all through the Scriptures. Man no longer knew how to talk to God. Adam said, uh, uh, I was afraid. Okay, you're going to talk about your fear? <laughs> Didn't Jesus stop everybody who was afraid? Didn't He stop them all from being afraid? Didn't He say, fear not, fear not, fear not? This is not the language of God. Fear is not the language of God. He didn't operate in that realm. He operates in the realm of faith. Fear is one of the byproducts of sight. And it doesn't work with faith. Right. Everybody hear me. God's not going to rescue you because you're afraid. He's going to rescue you because you believe. Yes, 
He's not going to save you because you're afraid of going to hell. Preacher, don't preach the guy into hell. You make him afraid and he won't get saved. You don't get saved because you're afraid. You get saved because you believe. Amen. Amen. What we lost was the ability to talk to God. But the very first mention of blood gives us an indication. It's in, it's in Genesis chapter 4. Now there's, a, there's an offhanded mention of blood, but the word blood is not used when God killed the animals to make clothes for Adam and Eve. But the direct mention of the word blood was when God said it. In Genesis chapter 4, when he spoke to Cain, your brother's blood cries out to me. Now I've got to ask you a question. Why didn't Eve hear that blood talking? She carried that baby in her womb and she didn't hear the blood. Why didn't Adam, the progenitor of all mankind, why didn't he hear the blood talking? Because he didn't. Cain, who shed that blood, didn't hear the blood talking. But somebody heard the blood talking. Amen. This is why the blood in our, in our religion, if you can call Christianity a religion, you really shouldn't. But this is why the blood in our faith and our covenant is so important. Because when you use the name of Jesus, you're reminding God the Father of blood. <laughs> when you use his name, you're, remind, you're, you're, you're tacking on the blood to your prayer. And you may not know how to talk to God, but when you use that powerful name, that all-powerful name, glory to God, the blood is applied to your prayer. And God may not know your language, but He knows the language of blood. Hallelujah. He may not know anything about what you're saying, but He understands the blood. Hallelujah. The blood will speak for you. I didn't know how to get saved, but the blood knew how to get me saved. Hallelujah. The blood knew how to talk to God. And that's why Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of Almighty God, mediating His own blood on our behalf. Come on, somebody say amen. This, that's why blood. Now we know how to talk to God. Even if we don't know how to talk to God, we use that name. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified. Of, what? It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens. So, the tabernacle's furniture, all those pieces of furniture, you're going to get the picture. The tabernacle in heaven was manifested in the tabernacle of Moses in the earth. And it says, it was necessary that the patterns, meaning these, 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 these images on the earth, they were patterns of the things in heaven, should be purified with these. What? The blood of bulls and goats. Purified by blood. They were all sprinkled with hyssop. You understand? You remember the story, how it goes? But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, holler. Hey, you, you. Did you just read a passage that said that the articles of the tabernacle in heaven were purified by the blood of Jesus? I thought heaven was pure. Well, it was. But when you've got the blood of Jesus, something so precious, something that nothing else could even come close to being like, impurity. When the blood of Jesus touched the articles that were in heaven, it improved them. Amen. Glory to God. If the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to improve heaven, wow. 
Imagine what it will do for you. Hallelujah. It improved heaven. That is awesome. That means there's hope for you. Amen. If it can scrub up heaven, it'll scrub up you. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment. We'll try to finish this another day. Lord, I want to thank you for the power of this message, this New Day message, wherein righteousness prevails, sin has been abolished, and the blood of Jesus ever lives and ever speaks for testimony against the, the judgment of sin and for the righteousness that has been imputed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I thank you today, Lord, for these people gathered here for these precious hearts who are here to hear this message. Let it make a reality for them. Let it become their new day reality. It is my solemn and important duty to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that with all this grace that has been poured forth, you still have a choice. You can receive the grace of God by faith or you can reject the grace of God. It's not automatic. It is from God's point of view. He's, he's over it all. But you must receive this Christ by faith. You must hear the message that Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And the Bible actually teaches in that same passage of Scripture that He did all this for us. Christ dying, Christ being buried, Christ being resurrected is just fact until you add the words for us, for us, for us. There's the gospel. It was all done for us. The Lord loves you so intensely that He would not even withhold His own Son. He that spared not His own Son but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? That means if He would give you Jesus, He would give you anything.